0: Welcome everyone to WRPX, your Wrestling Revolution Podcast. I am Antonio Garza and today is a very special day. It is not only the last episode of the year 2020, but it is our Best of the Year Awards and for that, I have two special people with me. Uh, they are both writers for The Wrestling uh, We are going to be using our Kfave names throughout the show for personal reasons. And I'm going to start with Big Red Machine, Red. Uh, how are you, man? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I just got done watching Impact, so... I am ready to talk about other type of wrestling (laughs) (laughs) and the other boys that you might have heard is nwk 2000 uh how are you doing
1: i'm doing i'm doing fabulously uh garza i um was i was talking i was talking with you before about how it's been 10 we've all known each other for about a decade and we still haven't like sat down to talk like this ever so i've been very excited
0: yes this is definitely like a point in our timeline that it's 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 marking a a big event <laughs> because it is the first yeah. time that we actually like talked in boys we we chat and debate and discuss pretty much every day for the last yeah. 10 15 years going back all the way to obsessed with wrestling like yep. all those forums uh, but this is actually the first time that we actually talked to each other and and what a best thing to have uh, the awards to talk about and without further ado i think we just might as well get into it and we're not gonna like i don't know like brush around the feathers or anything let's go to the main event the match of the year 2020 and uh, i'll start with this one and then we can start like uh switching around for the next ones my match of the year was january the 5th wrestle kingdom 14 day two the main event tetsuya naito defeating kazuchika okada to win both titles the uh, iwgp world heavyweight and intercontinental I was there live, so there's a a personal bias, but it was just, like, a fantastic match. It was a culmination, obviously, of the little tournament they had during Wrestle Kingdom, uh, a culmination of Naito's, like, huge chase for titles throughout his life, and I thought it was fantastic. My runner-up was from Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, uh, Wrestle Princess, November the 7th. This was Yuka Sakasaki, the champion, defeating Mizuki to return her championship. Uh, This is a match that I talked in a previous episode of the WRPX. It was just full of emotion, full of love. Uh, These are two best friends fighting for the title. And there's just like a beautiful story being told throughout the match. It wasn't a five-star match or a 10 out of 10 as other matches like uh Chiosaki and Sigura that I gave the five stars. But overall I thought it was my favorite match, like my runner up favorite match of the year. So uh let's go with Red. What was your match of the year? Uh
2: my match of the year is
0: the only match I gave ten out of ten to this year was Ilya Dragunov and
2: Walter from the no uh descent Dead December, wow, I'm bad with numbers. October 29th, 2020, NXT UK. Um, What you said about the Yuka Sakazaki match, it was two best friends you know, fighting hard for the title. It was two people who don't like each other fighting hard for the title. And this is just maybe the most violent thing I've seen that wasn't a death match, and it was just beautiful. And I just, I'm very invested in both of these guys from years of WXW. Um, And so just seeing them do, you know, I've seen them do this in progress. I've seen them do it in WXW and wherever else and getting to see them do it on NXT UK now. And it's the best one they've ever had. So it's just tremendous. Um, My runner-up was the Matt Riddle-Timothy Thatcher Fight Pit match from NXT. And I'm blanking on the date. I think it was May 27th. Meant to write it down and didn't, Um, but it was... Just that's I just love the thing. Once I saw the the fight pit, I was just enamored with it, and that's that sort of style is just what I love out of wrestling. So that was my second.
0: Yeah, th- those were those were two matches that definitely stood out from WWE, especially like NXT throughout the year. Like sometimes you hear of certain matches from certain promotions that just make noise everywhere, and those yep. two definitely were. Uh, Some of them. Uh, NWK, your matches of the year.
1: Match of the year. That's the one thing me and BRM are going to agree on probably all night. (laughs) Uh, And that's uh, Drogonov versus Walter from uh, October 29th, NXT UK. Just, oh my God, just the damnedest thing I've ever seen. Just two dudes beating the shit out of each other. My God. And, like, it also had the added benefit of, like, there wasn't like there wasn't any events for like however long. So it was just Walter and Dragonov just cutting promos on each other for months and months. And then we finally get the match. And it's just everything and more. Everything, you know, that was lovely about old school wrestling, you know. It reminded me a lot of like all Japan stuff from back in the day. Yep. Yep. FTR. Yeah, and then my runner up was uh, Bucks versus FTR from uh, All Out 2020. I just, whereas whereas Walter versus Dragon was just people beating the crap out of each other. Like that was like just a wrestling storytelling kind of bonanza. You got the technical team versus the high flying team, and that finish of that of Dash messing up the four fifty to cost his team the match was just perfection. So. That's kind of why that was my runner-up.
0: Yeah, I was actually close to giving uh, Young Bucks a match, but the Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page match earlier in the year, uh, but it it, was, it just wasn't at the level. <laughs> right. Um, and I have a question for you. Have you seen uh, Ilja and Walter wrestle before? Um,
1: no, but I knew I knew like I knew that. Like Ilya Dragunov was one of BRM's favorites for a while, and so I kind of knew going in that like, oh crap, this is gonna be good. But I didn't have I didn't have kind of like the intrinsic knowledge. And I'm actually gonna start um, reviewing old WXW shows for the website in uh, 2021 that's focused around Ilya and Walter. So look out for that.
0: Perfect. Yeah. So. I guess the only thing that could follow match of the year is the wrestler of the year and this is the best overall, you know, best in the ring out of the ring microphone, uh, the whole shebang, the whole presentation. Uh, let's target with red. who was your wrestler of the year? Um, so my
2: wrestler of the year was Walter. um I understand he he actually hasn't worked too much this year, but he just, he was a driving force whenever he was there, and when he did wrestle, the match quality was pretty much through the roof. Um, my runner-up, I think I settled on Finn Balor. Um, sort of, basically to, to jump ahead a bit, I think I had Balor for Worker of the Year, and the way I split it was that I basically, Balor had more matches, and and I didn't quite like some of the stuff he did, so I gave Walter Wrestler of the Year overall, and gave Balor Best Worker. But I mean, those two were pretty much neck and neck to me. But I gave Big Walter the
1: nod. And WK, um, my Wrestler of the Year this year is John Moxley. Um, I've just kind of been—I've been a big fan of Mox ever since uh, the CZW days and finding old promos of his on the internet. But just getting to see him as kind of, like, the ultimate babyface champion, you know, overcoming the odds from people like uh, like Eddie Kingston and Brian Cage and has been great. And also his promos are, you know, always amazing. So I think overall, Moxley is my um, wrestler of the year. My runner-up was um, – I couldn't actually choose a runner-up because I had – a couple different ones: Keith Lee, Adam Cole. You know, like basically, basically like the entire main event NXT crew was basically <laughs> my runner-up. But but Moxley, Moxley far and away, just in terms of like consistent booking and all all that, I think I think he was uh, my wrestler of the year.
0: Okay, so I have it in my notes that your runner-up was uh, Loomis from NXT. <laughs>
1: <What>? <laughs> I would like I would like that to be part of the public record because that'll be hilarious. That'll, that'll be hilarious when we doing this in 2030 and we're looking back and we're going, what? <laughs> so
0: my my wrestler of the year, I went with Hiromu Takahashi. I think mm. I guess similar to Walter, he was. Like, New Japan was gone for a while. And so there was a long long time that we didn't actually see a lot. Uh, But he started the year winning the title. He came back and actually, in my opinion, carried the whole junior division. He, as a junior, managed to uh, wrestle at main event for the world title, the heavyweight world title. And so I thought it was good. Uh, The best of the Super Juniors, he was really the only thing worth watching of the whole tournament. And now he's heading into Wrestle Kingdom where he's likely to win both nights. I I think Hiromu was great. He had his own style, but uh, really nice promos, in my opinion. And my runner-up was Go Chiyosaki. He was someone that, when the year started, I saw him win. And I was like, oh, cool. Go, like, the guy that I used to watch in Ring of Honor won the title. And as the year started going and he started getting like those matches that would start to make noise because he had like there was a match like mid-year that was like 60 minutes because he and i think fujita they just spent 30 minutes uh like looking at each other and like we started (laughs) to hear those little things and and i started to pay attention to go and the more i saw the more i was like man like this guy is really really carrying this championship uh and at the end of the year he he made me care for the GHC title for the first time, like in maybe five years, uh, we had three match of the year contenders at the end, and so I'm I'm giving the the runner up to Go Shiozaki. I thought he was like a, just a great champion this year. And what? oh, you were gonna say something, or I was gonna say
2: one thing to add on that. So I finally got around to watching uh, the Shiozaki Segura match. You noted last night and. Because I'm not the biggest Puro fan, especially with the All Japan and Noah, I like to go look up everyone's finishers before the match. And Goshi is—I saw Goshiyazaki is almost 39, and he's going on this amazing tear. That dude is just tremendous.
0: Yeah, and, and Sugura too. Like that guy is, I think, 50 ish. Yeah, and and he can still hit you <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I just gave Go. Uh, I think he had a, a a great year, and he really brought Noah back into notoriety uh, to a lot of people, which is something that uh, we hadn't really seen. Not even when Suzuki Gun went and invaded, uh, Noah was nothing back then. And I think this is this speaks loudly of Koizaki. But I guess since we're talking about Best wrestlers and best matches. Let's go into the worker of the year. This is just straight up who had the best matches of the year. Um NWK, let's start with you on this one.
1: Uh worker of the year for me was undisputedly Finn Balor. Um I think from his um from his return and I think kind of January when NXT went prime time to now. There is not a match that I have not enjoyed of his. The you know the Iron Man match, which you know finish aside, I thought was fantastic. Uh, The match with uh, did he have a match? Did he have a match with Dragonov at uh, at a World Collide or like an Yeah, that was good. And then the match with Kyle O'Reilly is was amazing. I'm a big Kyle Mark. And but Balor, Balor was pretty much put on really great matches like throughout. Um, my runner up, uh, my runner up might be a little bit controversial, but my runner up is Cody. Um, I whereas Balor isn't, or whereas Balor put on like tighter matches, I think Cody put on a lot of interesting matches. You know the. Uh, you know the the dog collar match with uh, Brody Lee. Uh, God bless him. Uh, you know, and all the all, like a lot of the things that he did the match with the matches with uh, I think he had one with Darby Allen. You know, like all like they weren't the you know there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in Cody matches, but I love me some smoke and mirrors. So you know what, runner up you go.
0: Good, uh, Red.
2: What do you have? Uh, so I touched on it before. I have Finn Balor. Um, NWK kind of hit on it pretty much. Just every time he was out there, it was just fantastic. Um, NWK listed like five great battle matches and managed to not even hit mine, which was the Johnny Gargano match at TakeOver Portland. Just that guy was just on such a tear and just everything he was involved in felt special and like, he was one of those people that when he was on TV, you knew it was going to be a big deal and you knew it was going to rock. My runner-up... Um, is kind of a big giant schmaz. Um, I, like I said, Walter from before, Ilya Dragunov similarly, and then Will Osprey also was just up there doing stuff. I would have given it to Okada if it wasn't for that goddamn uh, Cobra Stretch or whatever the heck it was that he was doing that just... The sleeper hold, they should call it.
1: Oh, the, the Braun Strowman? The Braun Strowman sleeper hold?
0: Yeah, the money yep. <laughs> I I find that really interesting that you, both of you guys have Finn Balor. Uh, not that he's not like just amazing, but I think a year ago none of us who had even considered Finn Balor, and yep. it just took him to go to NXT, and he's back into, uh, being one of the best workers in the world. It speaks mm-hmm. volumes of of NXT versus main roster. <laughs> Yeah, uh, crazy.
1: I feel like I feel like last year Finn Balor was on a lot of our uh, throw the remote uh, award winner lists.
2: Yeah, our biggest oh. waste of potential. Or one of those. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, and also say he.
2: Oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say he wasn't actually on my radar until I started just looking back at ratings I'd given and like, oh, there's a lot of Finn Balor's at, you know, with 8.5 and 9 out of 10s over here. Like he wasn't even someone I was thinking of because my, my brain was going to the usual Okada and Walter and Zach and, you know, Osprey and all these people and I uh, put it together. And it's like, oh, Balor's actually had, you know, some of the highest highs of the year.
0: I agree. Uh, I for my workers of the year, I initially started thinking about also like the Okadas and the Ospreys, but then like I started to realize, Okada, I didn't really like much of what he did this year, uh, partially because of the you Hero feud and then the money clip, mm. and then when I also started to just look at my at my reviews, uh, the guys that I have to go with are tomohiro ishii for the for the best worker i think i gave him the most higher ratings at the g1 and and previous and post uh g1 matches and the runner-up is chingo takagi who was just like slightly behind him he is really similar in style and those two guys i gave the most matches uh maybe it speaks of what type of wrestling i was looking for this year but yeah, those are my two guys. Uh, they've been solid just workers, I think, for the last years. They're, they're always in the talks of best worker. So it's it was an easy pick for me this year. And let's go to the tag team or stable of the year. Uh, this one I'm going to start. I am going to give my winner to The North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander. Uh, mostly they're working on impact they were champions they were the longest reigning champions of impact history they were champions pretty much all this year until the motor city machine guns made their their return Uh, and even then they still recapture the titles they've they've been having just great matches whether they're doing tag team stuff or singles Um, at this point we don't know what the future is for them there's a lot of talk of uh, AEW, like FD, uh, FTR, Business the North, and stuff like that. I thought they were just amazing. My uh, runner-up is a team from DDT called Nautilus. This is Juki Ueno and Naomi Yoshimura. These are two like super young guys. Uh, they also captured the DDT titles earlier in the year. They held the titles until Yoshimura got injured and had to... Just leave the, the promotion to get, uh, I guess, surgery. But they just had like every match that I saw of them. It was a lot of passion, uh, great wrestling, r- regardless of who were they're fighting, and it was just really, really, like a nice team of young guys like Hungry, and and that was it. And I do have a, an honorable mention on this one, and I wanted to give it to Dona del Mundo, the stable from Stardom. Uh, commanded from, with, by uh, Julia. These are a team of just five women that are arguably green, but they've risen uh, just to become like main vendors of stardom. And so yeah, that's an honorable mention. I don't think they're the best <laughs> in ring or anyways, but they are really, really good. And uh, NWK, let's go with you. Who are your tag teams or stables of the year?
1: So this one was actually the one that I struggled with the most, I think, because just there's been a breadth of tag teams and factions across the board. But uh, my tag team of the year is FTR. Um, from it's kind of similar to it's kind of similar to Finn Balor, you know, like from the moment they came into AEW to now, you know, I've just been on the edge of my seat the entire time. Everything they've done has been really tight, you know. They got they got good matches out of like the Butcher and the Blade, which is like, <laughs> which I think is, which I think is a match that which I think is an award all its own. But um, so that's that. And then my runner-up, just out of sheer sure, out of bias, is a uh, Motor City Machine Guns. You know, arguably they didn't have you know a blockbuster year. Arguably there are a lot of tag teams who worked more. But god, I was not expecting the Motor City Machine Guns to come back. And it's just I feel like I'm 29 now and watching the Machine Guns wrestle I feel like I'm 19 again freaking out about all the crazy stuff they can do. And so that's why the Motor City I can't Machine Guns because right. those guys
0: haven't aged a single year. Oh yeah. No. Both both they haven't lost a step and they look
2: the same too, which is tremendous. Yeah.
1: Except except um Except uh, they both have adult haircuts, which is weird. Wait,
2: when did Shelly change his haircut? Did I miss this? Oh this, was, oh, this was New Japan, wasn't it? When he... Am I like that far off? When did he change his haircut from the the ugly one he got when he lost the match to Jimmy Jacobs in like two thousand four?
0: He's had a mohawk, like I think, for his most most of his career. I think. Yeah,
1: no, he's so got like weird
2: so... backward zigzags in his hair or something for a long yeah. time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they both got they both got job interview acceptable haircuts, and it's weird. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, uh, Red, what are your tag teams or stables of
2: the year? Um, I I owe you zero. A personal thanks for putting this as tag teams or stables, so I could just go with the easy cop out answer and put down Undisputed Era. They're, they're all great workers, and there's four of them. It's hard, and they were involved in big stuff, so it's hard not to vote for them. Um, an actual individual tag team, I felt I needed to put for my runner-up, and I gave that to FDR. They're just really great like they're they're not what i had hoped they would be so far in AEW, but they have had what i think off the top of my head are the two best matches in the promotion first the with the bucks and then the match against uh jurassic express they had on dynamite which is like the best things AEW's done um my honorable mention similar to yours was a group that isn't the best group but who is or a group whose internal dynamics I just find fascinating is the Rousher House in uh, WXW it's like it's a group you're, they are dysfunctional and you know they're going to just self-destruct but you don't know how it's going to happen and in which direction everyone's going to go and who's going to side with who and it's just fascinating to watch
0: awesome awesome I, I don't think I've ever watched a match from them yeah, it's oh, it's it, they, they don't
2: really usually wrestle as a group, but it's Bobby Guns and the Pretty Bastards, who are generally tag team, and Norman Harris, and also Oliver Carter from N.W.A., uh, yeah, and, and I first tried to say N.W.A., then said N.W.K., from NXT UK, who hasn't actually been around since the pandemic started, but is... Theoretically, also a member of the group. But it's it's them. They're, they're all really good wrestlers, but just watching them interact with each other backstage in the WXW environment is just fascinating. That's awesome.
0: Uh, next up, we have... This is actually going to change us a little bit uh, in gears, but we have the storyline or feud of the year. Uh, obviously, uh, I, I think this should be... Well, I guess it could be anything, but it's usually like a major storyline uh, told throughout several, at least the shows. So, I guess let's go with Red. What are your storyline or feuds of the year? Um, I went with
2: Pat McAfee and Friends Against Undisputed Era. Just McAfee is just a tremendous heel. They, they've done so much right in that feud. Just, a, just from... Everything they did, starting with Cole against McAfee to, you know, Ridge Holland as McAfee's Hitman, the fact that they've had to been able to adjust so much also on the fly, I just thought was great. And I went into that War Games match sort of already annoyed with the way the women's one had gone and just not wanting to see 40 minutes of people hitting each other with stuff. And they just, they worked the match so well and just laid everything out so well that... I was, you know, going nuts by the end of it, and I thought it was great. My runner-up, um, and this was one of those that's kind of a weird pick, because it basically got interrupted. I'm sure changed by the pandemic, and I'd love to know exactly how it would have played out. But the whole storyline with Killer Kelly and Alexander James and WXW, where <laughs> Alexander James, he's like, he's clearly an asshole, and he is verbally abusive to his girlfriend. But, like, you can see why she doesn't leave him because, like, he's, like, she, both you can see the, you know, she can see the good in him, but also they, when he basically got stuck, not able to wind up to be in Germany after, when the pandemic started, and so they've been having him appear in conversations with her via Skype, and they just went through this whole thing where he is very much, he is verbally abusive, but you can see that the reason he is doing so is because he thinks that's the best way to get to her, to sort of get her to toughen up and not be so naive and to get her to stand up for herself more. And it's just fascinating to me. And they sort of, they definitely seem to turn a corner with Alexander James when he sort of, he didn't, there was a moment where he sort of had a Iris right and he didn't rub it in her face. And it's for someone Like Alexander James, who's just a tremendous heel and has been nothing but like a douchebag in the two years or two and a half years at this point, I've seen him to do that with him and make me, you know, like him and make me okay with this relationship. Even though I think the the end of last year was him swinging a Singapore cane at her because he was angry. (laughs) Like to make me okay with this relationship at this point is just an absolute masterwork. Interesting.
0: And uh, LDK.
1: Um. So my storyline of the year is, um, uh, Kenny Omega goes to Impact. I, I don't know why it was so fascinating to me, but um, just the fact that like Kenny Omega won the title and was like in AEW and was like BTW I'm going to Impact. Like I just think that's such like an interesting um, invasion storyline because. When you look at kind of the history of Invasion storylines, like, we've kind of seen it all. You know, it's like, you know, a guy jumps the guardrail and tries to do his best, you won a war kind of promo. Or, like, in CM Punk's case with the Summer of Punk in 2011, you know, it was kind of based on... The, the intrigue was the was the potential for a you you-don't-know-why-I'm-here promo. But Kenny Omega is just like, I'm just going to go to Impact because I'm cool. And my uncle, my uncle thinks I'm cool, and I can, get, and I can use you know. Yeah. So it's like, so it's just like, it's just like he's such a big star, he can do whatever he wants, and I think that that's brilliant. Um, my runner-up is uh, Team Taz versus uh, Darby Allen um, from the start of the feud, which had Ricky Starks cutting possibly my favorite promo of all year, which was <laughs> I like. Which, which was, I love two things, skateboards and turtles. But, like, it started from that and then formulated into Team Taz, which has been, like, the most interesting um, faction, not necessarily faction of the year, but definitely one of the most intriguing. And I, that's why Team Taz versus Darby Allin is my runner-up. I'll
0: tell you this. From all of AEW, Team Taz is my favorite faction. Yep. Yes. me too. I yeah.
1: can I can agree with that.
0: Yeah, I probably would
2: have put them down for stable of the year, but I just totally forgot about them. They've been oh. so good, and Taz especially is tremendous.
1: I feel like I feel like Team Taz will be if Team Taz like lasts any length into twenty twenty one, they'll probably be faction of the year in twenty twenty one. But like, but, yeah, twenty twenty was team Taz forming so maybe that's why it wasn't like you know why they weren't um faction of the year material just because they just got started
2: yeah, yeah. oh god I just realized I forgot the hurt biz- that the hurt business existed too yeah, that's why I-, <laughs> I should redo <laughs> my state my, my tag team that- stables of the year
1: oh god that- I feel so to- bad <laughs> honest to God that's why that's why I str- that's why I struggled for so long because it's like I like all these factions but a lot of the factions yeah are just now kinda of getting their you know getting their teeth in so it was kinda of hard to uh it was kinda of hard to kinda of do like some of the newer factions like the you know like the Hurt business or team pass.
0: Yeah. Plus plus we also combined tag teams and stables. And yeah I think this last year there there's been like so many tag teams and so many stables, just like Rice. And mm-hmm. it was just hard to to pick. Like we have three options pretty much and like, we all have tag teams or, or stables that are just way higher. So, you start to think about, you know, Team Taz or like Omega and Hangman, which I thought had like good chemistry as a tag team. And, but I mean, they're just low in the list. They're, they're, there's so much competition. Uh, my storyline of the year uh, is actually for impact. I, I really thought about this, but I couldn't come up with something else. It is Rich Swann's road to recovery and the championship. Uh, he injured, legit injured himself early in the year. He went to recovery. They used his recovery as part of fuel to Willie Max's uh, storylines throughout the year. And once he was ready to come back, he came back. He, he got into, into a problem with Eric Young. Eric Young re-injured him and then Eric Young won the title and Rich Swann came back and just chased the title. And it was just a lot of, uh, it just felt like a good, easy story being told. There was no like crazy shenanigans or like big angles, other than it's just Rich Swan like giving us videos of him doing rehab and Eric Young cutting promos of Rich Swan, you're never coming back because I broke your your legs. It was just simple. Uh, And my second uh, storyline of the year. Is going to go for the Eye for an Eye, the Moxley versus the oh. Inner Circle storyline from earlier in the year. I thought that that feud, that storyline gave us some really, really good promos by a lot of people. Um, like I remember the, the, the ones from Santana, I really, really loved. And and I thought that was like the good thing about that feud. It, it, it obviously builds Yeriko and, and Moxley. But I love that they used the feud to really elevate all the different parts of the inner circle into like, you know, to show their personalities and to show like they they can also cut promos and have singles matches. And that was like uh, my runner up. I do have an honorable mention for Noah's Congo versus DDT. This was like a really short feud, but it was super simple. Throughout the like mid year, we saw the company that owns DDT buy Noah, and so it was just a simple story of Kano, the leader of Congo, saying, "I don't want DDT to come to Noah and make a joke out of it, because DDT, we all know, is about jokes." <laughs> uh, and so it was just like him having doubts about DDT trying to change Noah, and so he defended. Uh, his conviction and then on the DDT side it was uh, sanshiro Takagi the the boss saying like we don't want to but I mean I'm not going to back down from you and so it kind of felt like similar to the CCW versus Ring of Honor feud where you have two companies really different but with really rabid fan bases and it doesn't matter on which fan base you are you're going to see your guy and you're going to be able to get behind their conviction and support them. And then they just had a match, uh, Kano won, and, and that was pretty much it. I don't know if something else is going to happen in the future, but that was it. But And, and those were my storylines of the year. Uh, I really couldn't think of many bigger storylines that made a difference to me this year. Uh, I don't know if I just wasn't paying that much attention. But anyway. Uh, I think we are now going to get into promotional awards, uh, which I guess is a good connection between best wrestlers and, and promotions. We have the storylines. Uh, the first one we're I'm going to go with is, as you all know, 2020, there is is this pandemic going on. And one of the things we saw is how promotions dealt with this we saw promotions like straight up i mean we saw promotions ignore it we saw promotions straight up die and everything in between (laughs) and so we are having this like one one one-time award hopefully one-time award (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, fingers crossed on what promotion adapted to the conditions of the pandemic the best in regard to the on-air product that this means like we're not uh, going to be like judging on who had the best COVID protocols or anything like that. We're going to be like who did like the most creative stuff, the formatting, who dealt with fans the best. Um, I guess who also like had the wrestlers that dealt with the situation the best. I. Does anyone want to go first? Um, since, since I came up with the category,
2: I will go first. Go ahead. Um, I had Ring of Honor. Um, Like obviously, not having fans in the building is like a problem. But I think Ring of Honor, just the way they shifted the the TV, so that it was had a lot more focus on the wrestlers talking, sort of made the wrestlers themselves feel more like the story. Like obviously they always are, but it's sort of it shifted away from the fact that there were no fans and really like got you invested in the concept of the wrestlers themselves. And between that, they they used that to lengthen the out the TV so that like one one set of tapings got them like two months instead of one. And then uh, Ian McAbbani and Caprice Coleman, just the way they call the matches is just amazing, and the, it feels like you know it rather than. I mean, I like the sports announcers on TV, but it feels like your buddies Ian and Caprice are not sitting in your living room, you know, watching the show with you as friends, but, like, they are providing personal analysis to you, the viewer, and just those two are just tremendous in what they've done as commentators. So I have to give it to Ring of Honor. Um, for my runner-up, I went with NXT just because I... Like, look, I don't like the Thunderdome. It's silly. I think NXT, basically, AEW deserves credit for finding ways to get fans in the building, even if in the beginning, you know, they were worked fans. But, like, I'm just the sort of person who it bugs me that, like, you've got the babyface wrestlers right there and they're not coming out to make the save, you know, when Orange Cathy's getting beaten up by the inner circle. So NXT, just having the fans there, but having them behind this barrier, um... A solve that problem. B, I just thought the aesthetic was really cool. Uh, we've seen guys doing spots off the plexiglass and the cage and the caging and stuff, um, which I thought was great. So they they get my runner-up spot.
1: Right. Uh, I guess I'll go next. I'm just gonna say I'm gonna say E AEW. I kind of think it, I thought it was really. There were some things that like kind of the, the the beginning of the pandemic they had to do like enhanced it. Like I thought I thought a lot of like the broken Matt Hardy stuff was enhanced by the fact that there was no crowd. So it was just some like weird space wizard hanging out and he has a beep with Jericho and he can teleport. Like I thought that was cool. And then I also thought like the Stadium Stampede was like one of the best – like the best cinematic match of twenty twenty. Um but then when they started bringing in like when they started bringing in like you know the AEW talent to just kind of hang out in the front row, I thought that was pretty cool too. I mean, you know, BRM BRM has a point that you know Babyface should be making the same from the crowd, which I hadn't thought of. So sorry about that. But but I I just think the I don't know I just think the I just think the the Thunderdome is such a lame concept for me. It's just kind of. <laughs> It kind of just doesn't, like, nothing, nothing about that will ever be cool. I don't need to be looking at, I don't need to be looking at, like, I don't need to be looking some, like, some, like, 600-pound, like, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think, like, a Drew McIntyre mark in the face all night, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe
2: if Michael Cole tells you how cool it is 400 more times, you'll come around and you'll think it's cool.
1: You know what, though? You know what, though, for, like, For, like, throwing something together as they did, like, that's... I'll give them all the credit in the world for that, because they could have very easily gone the impact route and just not had people in the building at all, ever. But the fact that they went the middle of the road, like, in concept was cool. I just don't need to be looking at some nerd's, like, 120p camera all night, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. To, To me, like, the idea, the concept of the Thunderdome... Is really cool. But I hate the execution. I hate yep. that it's just people being told up thumbs up, thumbs down. Like it doesn't really feel like and sometimes you see people like straight up just falling asleep. I, yeah. <laughs> I
1: didn't even uh, I didn't even realize that uh, the Thunderdome I didn't even realize that the people were getting cues. Because like every time they would cut to the Thunderdome, it's just people like staring ahead blankly. I didn't even realize that they were getting used to cheer boo. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like early on, I think they said that if you were not participating, they were kicking you out.
2: Yeah, which and, yeah, uh, that that was one thing, and yeah, they they need to yeah. police it too. Like and like, oh, I think oh, that yeah, that's like... why. Like, but they they need to police it, and it's just such a, a mess. Like I think, I think part of the part of the problem with it is that like uh, N W K was talking about people's low resolution cameras. Like that's definitely like a problem with it. Like if people's cameras were good enough, like maybe you that you could see more natural reaction. But like yeah, it's it, I think you sort of hit on the head. It's a cool idea, but just everything about the way they tried to do it, you know.
0: I, I couldn't do yeah. more, and and so, something that uh for NXT I I, I don't really watch WWE or, or AW but something that I do like from them having I guess like talent or, or roster people in the crowd is that it feels like there's a party going on because it's it's people that are, like know each other and they're like they're not just in seats they're always just like walking around and, and it feels like. I'm watching wrestling at a party. And so I do yeah. like, like that aspect of it. <laughs> uh my the, the two promotions that I picked are gonna be completely from left side of the field. My promotion that I found did the best is a little promotion in Japan called Gato Move. This is a promotion that holds their shows in um it has to be like an like a ten by twenty feet. Room, they don't have a ring they just have a wrestling mat and what they do is they, they just pack it with people and the wrestlers wrestle like in the little mat this is a promotion that is owned by Emi sakura and this shouldn't have survived the pandemic but i think it's one of the promotions that has been able to do the best use of their time uh what they what they do right now is that they have a one hour show three matches and then they finish it with a Rock Paper Scissors tournament between the participants uh, and the winner gets a chocolate. <laughs> uh, and then throughout the week, they have an AW watch party because obviously they support Hikaru Shida and whoever's there. Uh, they have, I think they have, have like pay-per-view watch alongs. They have their own like Pro TV show watch along. So it's it's all free. It's on YouTube, and they created like a Patreon page, and they created like the the YouTube page so you can subscribe and so people can support them financially. And they're just having matches, and because of how they do it with just like five or six people, they are able to have like between fifteen to twenty minute matches. Uh, it's mostly comedy, obviously. It, you you cannot really do much. Uh, because they're they're just a comedy thing. But they've been able to, to get like Rijo, uh Minor Suzuki was there once, uh, some guys from Big Japan. So they th- this is a little promotion that should have died, and they've managed to make it work. <laughs> so, like, kudos to them. And the other promotion, my runner-up is triple A from Mexico. They haven't done a lot of stuff this year, but the thing they did is once they came back into activity, they started with uh, tournaments. And it was just like small, short matches. So, because like one of the complaints that we hear all the time is that people cannot watch a 30 minute match without a crowd. And so they were just having short matches uh, with good wrestlers. And then later on, once things got like better, uh, I mean, more under control for the promotion not necessarily COVID wise yeah. <laughs> uh, they started doing drive-in uh, shows so people would drive in and in their car they would watch the show uh, and I'm surprised not a lot of promotions did this GCW kind of tried to do in like park shows but then it all fell apart and so AAA hasn't done much but I thought for what they've done they've done it good Uh storylines and all of that aside, I think they're gonna change. <laughs>
2: the, the only positive thing anyone will say about triple A all night.
0: Yeah, yeah, believe me. <laughs> and and I guess uh that leads us to the uh, the promotion of the year. I think adapting to COVID may not necessarily make you the promotion of the year, but I think it does help you because if you adapt correctly then you may be able to give us better shows. And so the promotions of the year I'll start with this one uh, and and my my first prize winner is base pretty much only on work rate and that's New Japan Pro Wrestling from all the promotions that I saw this year I thought they had just the best matches uh, thanks mostly to the G1 Climax I guess but I thought they just had the best stuff and I, I thought that for our, for the promotions that took time off and then came back, they really felt like the one promotion that held Japanese wrestling together. Like, it was until they came back that it kind of felt like Japan was coming back and so I gave it to them I, they've been they've been kind of like up and down in terms of who they've been pushing. I mean, I'm not going to pretend evil didn't happen this year but uh, But I thought that even with Evil there, there was still some really good stuff here and there. Uh, Like I said, Hiromu Takahashi, Chingo Ishii, they're still like my favorite wrestlers of the year. And so I'm getting to New Japan. Uh, My runner up is uh, Tai. But it's a Tai, I guess, really similar. It goes to Stardom and AW. Just in the sense of both promotions uh, saw a lot of growth this year. Uh, stardom because they were bought by Bushy Road and now they're having uh, a huge push. They, they've gone from doing Shinguku face shows into like Budokan shows and they, they've they managed to work, you know, after the death of Kanaki Umura and uh, the retirement of Arisa, Naka, Arisa Hoshiki, they managed to just get back in track and, and, and push new people and and like right now they're finishing the year like really strongly they're going to go and have uh, a budokan show next year so good for them and on the other side we have AEW who it's their first year but in their first year they managed to i mean they are the second promotion of the on the United States they managed to get TNT to extend their contract which i think it's what promotions probably want the most and and I guess that that's I, I guess a combination. I guess those two are the ones that I've saw grow the most. So I've given them the runner up. Uh, uh, NWK, WK, who are your promotions of the year?
1: My promotion of the year is Impact Wrestling, actually, because what? I, <laughs> I just mean okay. it's spit, <laughs> spit take. So 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 here's what I like about impact overall, right? I love, like, the the Sue Young, like, Dark War, you know, kind of, like, spooky stuff. But I also like the fact that they're very capable of telling, you know, very old-school, very believable heel-face storylines. Like you mentioned, you know, Rich Swan versus Eric Young is a prime example of that. And, you know, they've just got good wrestling for the sake of good wrestling with the North versus Motor City Machine Guns and basically the North versus anyone. You know, so it's, like, so they've just got a little bit of everything, and there isn't anything that they're doing, like, wrong. I love, and runner-up is, runner-up for me is AEW. I love AEW, as you all know. But there are some things that they objectively did incorrectly. (laughs) So, you know, with, like, the women's division and and stuff like that. So it's, like, so I feel like Impact kind of did the best, whereas, like, Whereas Impact got like an A+, plus, AEW got like an A-, minus, you know? So, so it's, it's it's that level of, you know, picking it apart.
0: Yeah. I, I, I do the, the recaps for Impact for figures for W09 every week. I can attest that I don't think they're the best, but I think they're doing okay. Uh, their their storylines are for the most part super simple, especially if they're dealing with titles. Uh, I I mean obviously people are gonna point out Wrestle House and who shot Johnny Bravo, and yes those those are like incredibly stupid stories. Uh, but I'm not like I've never been put down because they are storylines dealing with the lower mid card. Like it's not like we're watching, I don't know like Eddie Edwards. In the storyline about who shot Johnny Bravo, like right if they cross that line, <laughs> then I'm gonna be like, "Fuck this company again." But so far, I think they're they're good. Like, they're they're at the level they should be. I think.
1: Uh, right. Red. If this were go, but well, go end of the cake. Go for oh, it. I was, I was just gonna say, um, if this were any other promotion who shot Johnny Bravo would be like in the main event storyline, but that's, that's all I was going to say about that.
2: Don't give WWE ideas.
1: I know. I know. (laughs) Uh,
2: So uh, my promotion of the year was NXT UK. I really wanted to give like special credit to NXT and AEW and the WWE main roster because they, they kept going you know, through the pandemic, it didn't miss a beat. Um, But when I thought about it, like, which show every week was I saying, I can't, you know, oh boy, I want to see the next one. And that was NXT UK. NXT UK, um, I think, had my my show of the year. They had high-quality wrestling. They had some of the, the matches that I, you know, didn't think that this would work or be a good idea but turned out really well um there was that match early in the year between uh Trent Seven and Eddie Dennis without the turnbuckle pads on that worked um and the the Heritage Cup I thought worked really well especially when compared to uh WXW's World Cats Grand Prix that like you know, I was always suspicious of British rounds matches, but like NXT UK found a set of rules that made it work, and with WXW, I felt like it got in the way, so NXT UK just deserves a tremendous amount of credit. Um, my runner up was NXT. Yeah, they there have been issues lately. Shotzi Blackheart's presence is a continual annoyance to me, but they also had a lot of really great stuff and I am willing to cut them a little bit of slack, although that is sort of expired now because of the call-ups that they didn't necessarily know about, like with Keith Lee and Karrion Cross getting injured and then Ballard getting injured and Rich Holland getting injured. Well, she's getting a big push. Uh, my honor, Honorable mention was WXW, who had just, in terms of storylines for me and getting me invested in characters, is just the best promotion in the world and has been since I started watching them a couple years ago. Um, they All their stuff's in English now. I will urge people to check them out, but they just do a great job of establishing characters, making them human. The wrestling this year has been a little disappointing, but um, we talked about storylines before, and it's not just uh, my second favorite storyline here, but a lot of the little things, like I wouldn't necessarily call a a great storyline, but just a little like, you know, three to five week feuds and stories that they do are just tremendous. It's like Impact in that they keep it very simple, but there's also none of the Impact stuff <laughs> that go along with it. So I also <laughs> want to give them a shout out. <laughs> yeah.
0: Th- this year... I think the whole European scene has been suffering a lot. It suffered not only yeah. because of the pandemic, but because of the speaking out uh, thing that happened back in June. Do you yeah. think that WXW has managed to just work through it? Yeah. Um. So in terms of speaking out, um,
2: WXW. Um. So what they had, they were one of the first promotions to come back from the pandemic, and they. Um, basically, they do it. They take a whole bunch of TV at once within like a forty eight hour period. And then um two of the guys who were heavily involved in TV, uh, was out oh, then was Jay Skillet and Julian Pace. and Pace was their like next big up and coming babyface in their roles as trainers at the academy were accused of basically being negligent in terms of letting harassment happen and also I think there was a trainee who got pretty badly hurt under their watch student negligence and WXW just went and just cut them out, you're gone, bye um, and they, they even to the point of, they cut them out of uh, everything that those guys were doing and they were a big part of where the, the first season of shotgun 2020 was going and they just edited them out and they said Sorry, we're not doing this. There were one or two other people they had just started bringing in who had lesser accusations against them, just like domestic abuse stuff that's not provable. But they did not bring those guys back. Though so whether or not that's a pan- really just a pandemic thing, will you know, we'll never know. But um, yeah, the other thing that WXW has an advantage over the thing was speaking out that really hit me is that the UK and Australia letting people train starting at like 15 and 16. <laughs> like my big lesson from speaking out other than the obvious was that that's problematic and shouldn't happen because it's so yeah. ripe for abuse. And I think WXW d- won't start you till you're 18. And they, they've just been very, very responsive always, apparently to students' needs. And they're one of those places that the students always come back and do things and you, you don't ever hear about someone who went there and felt like they got ripped off. You know, even, you know, you've got Avalanche and Walter and Killer Kelly and Alexander James beating the shit out of you. And this is apparently <laughs> just a very tight knit group, you know, despite that. And they take yeah. the it's they, they take the Chikara we're a family thing seriously as opposed to, you know, Chikara.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was asking that because I just watched uh, rep Pro's Epic Encounter from this year, and no. I was like, I don't think I recognize like 80% of these guys now. I, I, I recognize that... like one or two names, and I was like, is was... this the case for the whole European scene right now? Was Epic Encounter what, was that the February show or no? No, this one just happened a little bit ago. Okay, I'm um...
2: My guess is that there's going to be a lot of that, though. Rev Pro in particular, at least the last two or three years, had always kind of been this kind of sad revolving door. I mean, happy in that the reason it was a revolving door is that people were getting signed to, you know, WWE or they were, you know, going to make more money with New Japan, but they, they were always kind of a revolving door. Or in stardom was eating their women's division alive in a way that really wasn't good, and it's made me sort of wish that they would just dump their women's title because it's not helpful <laughs> at this point and the yeah. talent's not there but I think that to answer your bigger question I do think that's something we're going to see in the next few years on the the, the British scene is just going to end and Ireland too let's not forget them is going to be totally it's a new crop of people there's very much you know certain promotions are just going to be gone and yeah. you know it's the fact that this happened in the middle of the pandemic is sort of just going to make it a clear turning point. But yeah, I think we're going to we're going to get used to seeing a lot of new faces <laughs> in the next yeah. couple of no, years. I, I the fun, year.
0: You know, it's always good to, to push new faces. Uh, yeah. Let's continue for the, for the next uh, award. I'm going to skip the next one that comes up and I'm going to go with best TV show of the year. I think that is most uh, related to the promotion of the year. Uh, the best TV show of the year. I just have one, um, because for TV show of the year, I think we did make the the notion that this has to be episodic and wrestling, uh, but not necessarily on TV. (laughs) I think that's the thing we changed. Yes. Uh, So we're opening now to YouTube as long as they are, I mean, as long as there's wrestling in the shows. Uh, And we say this because in previous years, uh, BTE has been uh, a talking point. Yeah. And so we said uh, weekly episodic uh, show. I just have one. It's again Choco Pro. It's just one hour of fun, and then you end up with a rock paper scissors sentiment. I couldn't ask for more. <laughs> uh, because when I started thinking about every, every other show like Impacts and Dynamites and Darks, like there's always like so much stuff going on. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. But when it comes to Chocopro, that's the one show that I can just watch and always just walk out happy. And this year, that's the only thing I want, to walk out happy. So that that's just my best TV show of the year. Uh, NWK, who did you vote for?
1: So I, like you, only have one. And uh, hold on to your britches because it's AEW Dynamite.
0: Um, well,
1: it's a, it's so, a fair so, so is AEW the most tightly booked? Logical promotion on the planet Earth? No. But does it give me the adrenaline and the serotonin that makes me remember why I fell in love with professional wrestling? Yes. That's that's it.
0: That is a fair argument. (laughs) Red? Red?
2: Um, I went with NXT UK. Like I said before, you know, I wanted to give credit to Raw and SmackDown, and a and uh, Dynamite and uh, NXT because they they kept going through the pandemic. But NXT UK was just a show that you know every week that was to show that ooh something really really big and good is coming up next week. Dynamite and uh, NXT had periods where they were doing that, but while NXT UK was on. I think they were just tremendous with that. My runner up was WXW's various collection of shows that they had put on just the, the two seasons of shotgun and then uh, the World catch Grand Prix, which you could watch episodically. Um, or, and I liked that they gave you the option to watch one match a day instead of, you know, the, the entire week's worth of matches on Sunday. Um, they just, it's, WXW at their WXW, not the, certainly not their in-ring best because the weakness there was the wrestling, but they were uh, just getting their characters over with backstage stuff and establishing them. And like I said before, like this you know, there's a lot of new faces in WXW, and they made me care about pretty much all of them this year, which is a rarity. Um, my uh, just a short honorable mention, just of the ones that did keep going through the pandemic. I thought NXT was the best, but you know, they, they've, they've been good. They've had, they've been very up and down.
0: Awesome. So I guess let's go back and let's go. I guess this is the biggest, uh, the bigger award that we have, like in the middle. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why we have it in the middle, but this is the best individual show of the year. This has to be just one single event. Uh, if you want to nominate uh, an, a specific episode from any of the TV shows, uh, just give us a date. I Let's start, I guess, with you, the WK. What was your individual show of the year?
1: Um, individual show of the year for me was uh, AEW Winter's Coming. Um, and that was because of two things. The... Kenny Omega versus John Moxley match, and and the uh, the Sting return, like those those two things, like kind of encapsulated my entire 2020. Um, I have, uh, and then I guess All Out 2020 is my honorable mention, and that's that's what I've got. Good, good,
2: uh, red. Um, so I looked back at my notes, and apparently the only time that I used the phrase show of the year candidate this year was NXT's TakeOver Blackpool 2, which was a show I didn't even remember it happened this year. And then when I went and looked back at it, like, holy shit, how did I forget about this show? This was insane. Um, there was a Jordan Deadlin versus Tyler Bate match, which the only thing I wrote was, fuck, go watch this match now. This was insane. Um, just a lot, just, just tremendous stuff up and down the card. Other than the opener, which was fine for what it was. Um, my what, was runner, this the my, Walter
0: versus Coffee
1: match?
2: Yes, Walter versus Coffee. Okay. There was a ladder match for the tag titles, which for some reason I had thought happened last August, and uh, the three uh, way with Kayla, Piper, Niven, Tony Storm.
0: Yeah, um,
2: my yes, yeah, my my runner up the non-honorable mention are basically interchangeable was NXT TakeOver 31 and TakeOver Portland. Portland had higher highs, but also lower lows. And the TakeOver 31, I, I guess I would put that as my runner-up. It's that sort of, if people remember back in the days, Ring of Honor's Manhattan Mayhem, the first one was this show that was, there were no match of the year candidates, but like every single match was like, in the three and three quarters to four and a quarter range, and that—that's NXT Takeover 31 was—I don't know if it was two hours, two and a half, three hours of just four and a quarter stars, 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 just like tremendous stuff and still high high level, and just consistently. So that—that's I guess what I'd go
0: with for a second. Awesome. My individual shows of the year, my my. Best year of the year was the second night of Wrestle Kingdom 14. Uh, again, granted, I was there, so there's definitely a bias, but it had my match of the year, uh, Night 2 versus Okada. It had Jericho versus Tanahashi, which was, in my opinion, Jericho's best match of the year. That was this uh, it year. Had J.Y. versus Bushi. It was this year. I know it's hard to believe. I always, uh, I always don't marry that.
1: I always forget to put Wrestle Kingdom on my yearly list. I I always associate it with the last year.
0: (laughs) One thing that I keep forgetting, and I blame all the bad things of 2020 because of this this is the show where Jushin Liger retired. Everything went downhill after he retired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But this was the show. it had uh, Moxley versus Robinson, and then Suzuki came out to challenge for Moxley. So it was just like, in my opinion, the best show of the year. It had several more, like, four-plus matches, like four-star-plus matches. Uh, the runner-up is the G1 Climax October 10th episode, uh, not an episode, a show. This was the show that was main-evented by Okada and Chingo Takagi. This was my favorite Okada match of the year, but it also had Suzuki versus Ibushi, which, which I thought was the best G1 match of the year. Uh, just G1. Uh, it also had Taichi versus Osprey, which is I guess, fun. It had that JY, JY Juhiro Takahashi match, which Red and I debated for, for many days. Uh, <laughs> we don't need to go into it. <laughs> but um, I just thought it was like uh, a top to bottom really good show, and I guess something that I maybe I forgot to mention it because I didn't bring him up for the adapting for COVID, uh, but this year's G1 climax uh, adapting to only show the G1 matches was the best thing that yep. could happen for me. <laughs> oh <laughs> God! It made that... The shows so much better. <laughs> yep. I oh only my God! Th- this. Thing. Yep. <laughs>
1: Yes. And it exposed one of my biggest gripes with the G1 is that there are always one or two people in each block that you know are going to, like, not win. Like, they always have, like, uh, Yuzhiro Takahashi or, like, you know, Yano or somebody that you know is going to walk away with, like, three points. But the fact that the roster was trimmed down means that some of those people, like Taichi, were actually winning matches.
2: And I thought that that was really cool. And also gives a reason for why those losers are in the tournament in the first place instead of yeah. you know, Nagata. I'm still yeah, exactly. bitter about
0: them aging him out. It really irks me. He's still so yeah. good. <laughs> he is. i, I I'm sur- Well, I mean, we don't want to derail, but I'm surprised that Kojima is going to be in Wrestle Kingdom. I'm really happy for him.
2: Yeah, dude. The dude's still great. Like he, he's yeah. lost a step, but not like the way he works
0: with masters. It doesn't matter. No, yeah, like he has a specific style that he may not be able to just go ahead with everyone at a main event level. But for what he he can do, he is perfect for any type of show. But uh, yeah, let, let's not derail. <laughs> I right. can go talking hours about Kojima. But those were my individual shows of the year. I do have a, a an honorable mention to DDT's King of DDT twenty twenty final. This was similar to, like, I don't know, like, day three of Ebola or of uh, the Progress Super Strong style, in the sense that you have, like, the final matches of the tournament, so it's usually good matches all around. So it's just, like, an easy pick. That's why it's my honorable mention, but New Japan took uh, the, the, the two big spots. And... After that, we are now going to go into, like, I guess, like, the weirder uh, categories for the awards. This is where we start to get, like, we start to think more about how the year went, not necessarily in terms of quality, but, like, in terms of how things happen, sometimes booking-wise. The first one, we are going to go with the comeback of the year. This is either coming back from injury or from out of retirement, or sometimes, like, uh, just... Revitalizing your career, uh, either by like a character change, a gimmick change, changing companies, as we saw with AW a lot. Um, I'll, I'll start with this one. My my price is technically an idea, <laughs> but I'm going to give it to one person and, and I'll explain. This goes to Tass, mm. Tass is someone. I have completely deleted from my memory at this point. I have written him off. I I knew he was doing a podcast, and that's as far as I expected him to do. And he came to AW. He's a manager. Sometimes does commentary, and just out of just doing that, I think he has a career now. Again, he's the one. Well, he's at B one, but he's one of the guys that I enjoy watching in AW. And, and when I say that this was also like an idea, it's because I could have said this for Jake Roberts, for Tony Schiavone, and for Tully Blanchard, for Arn Anderson, all those guys that I had completely like written off from wrestling and they managed to come back and do stuff and, and start a career again and good for them. But of all of them, I'm giving it to Tass. My runner-up is the Motor City Machine Guns. I think uh, N.W.K. already kind of explained it uh, early in, early on. Uh, they just kind of came back. I I don't think they've had a match together since Ring of Honor like 2018. So yeah, it was just nice to see them come back and do like win titles and then have like like good shows, good matches. So good for them. But yeah, Taz was my guy. Uh, Red um i also had taz for basically the reasons you
2: laid out i will actually go one further and say just from his tna run, i hated taz's guts he was oh. annoying and oh, yeah. stupid and he was a detriment to the promotion and then from the moment when he showed up in AEW, i was like oh god no please and then you know he was great you know, on commentary, and actually the had him as an interviewer at first with Darby Allen, and he was great, and then just as a manager, like, oh, well, holy shit. And this guy's never managed anyone before, but, like, crap, he was tremendous. Um, in a similar vein, um, although I did not hate the guy so much, he was just out of my brain, MVP. Um, doing basically the same thing over on Raw. He's taken people and just, you put them with someone with MVP and he makes them credible by force of personality alone. And like we saw it with, what the hell was the last time Shelton Benjamin won a match? <coughs> Sorry. You stick him with MVP. Yeah. Tremendous. You put Lashley with him. Awesome. Cedric Alexander's a total loser, unfortunately. You put him with MVP. Awesome. <laughs> and my honorable mention for the reasons you said is the machine guns. Just. There's a nostalgia there with them that isn't there with too many other teams for me. And
0: perfect. And uh, LDK?
1: Um, for me, uh, I have no. Uh, for basically all the things that you said, you basically ate all my honorable mentions and runner ups. But for me, it's Edge. Um, right. Edge Edge's come back for me. It was one of the last get togethers I had with friends before the pandemic and we all simultaneously flipped out like it was just like ah, it's 2010 again oh my god you know just like jubilation and jubilee and like nothing will and like there were other cool returns like sting coming back and taz and mvp but like nothing will fit that like you know nothing will ever fit like there's peace on earth quite like quite like edges return yeah
0: that one i I didn't really expect it at all. Uh it was definitely a surprise. And he came back and and he had arguably one of the best like main roster matches of the year. Oh, yeah,
2: not not arguably, I don't think. <laughs> that, 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 I <laughs> I, I, just,
0: I, just I haven't watched the single one.
2: <laughs> it was it, it, it it's it's definitely worth your time watching. That the greatest match ever match with Orton is like not a style I ever expected to see in w w e and they went out like that was an example of w w e reacting to the pandemic you know creatively in a good way, like that they were willing to do that and to let those guys wrestle a totally different style you know that that was now that I think about it probably the best thing w w e did all year.
0: So you're telling me you're not enjoying Alexa Bliss, burning herself? I'm, that's, uh, well, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll
2: okay. get to that later.
0: Yeah. Is, uh, that that,
1: that, that, that is
2: my uh, throw oh, the remote, coming.
0: one of my throw the remote moments. Yes. I can't wait. <laughs> I know it's coming, yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's keep on going. The next category is the most improved wrestler of the year. This obviously takes uh who uh, improved from 2019 to 2020 um nwk you can go first
1: um my most improved was kenny omega because kenny omega i mean kenny omega literally went from a wrestler who i could not from my favorite wrestler when he was in new japan from someone that i could not have given a crap about in 2019 and then to my favorite um wrestler of 2020 just on the heel turn alone I love everything about the presentation. I love everything about his look. You know, it's just like he went from like A plus to F minus to A plus in like the span of three years, which is pretty incredible. Um, And then my honorable mention, I guess, is Pat McAfee. I don't really know if you could call it improved, but like from from someone that I had like no expectations over to where it's like, oh, Adam Cole is going to carry this match. So like, whoa, Pat McAfee could be like could put on like four-star matches with some of the mid-card guys tomorrow. You know, it's like, you know, it's like that, that kind of, that, I don't know if that's necessarily improved, but yeah, he's definitely, he was definitely my honorable mention.
0: Okay. Uh, Red.
2: Um. So now I just had, I just changed my answer. and Now I'm totally blanking on, oh, Mandy Rose is who I'm going with. Um. So Sarah and I were talking before and I was saying that I, always oh, hate this category because like I'm not really great at ga- like gauging progression over time and like I don't necessarily have a you know I'm not a worker I don't have a worker's eye to see the small things but I guess just to I just want to acknowledge sort of for someone who has bought into the company to be a bikini model in an era where they were still doing the bikini model thing and like who like People like that, like look, we didn't have you know, no one had any expectations of and Mandy has turned herself into a darn good professional wrestler, especially when you compare her to again, similar body type but Liv Morgan who's like, nah. And like Carmella is fine. I would have said she was worse than fine before the match with Sasha Banks on Sunday. So maybe she should be my or last Sunday, whatever the hell it was. So maybe she should be my runner up. But um I just wanna acknowledge Mandy Rosen on on the mic. Mandy was great and she' She's someone who I can see, you know, if they wanted to put the world title on her, I'm not going to say that there aren't, be- not the women's title, whichever one she's on. I'm not going to say there aren't better options out there, but I wouldn't have this sort of viscerally negative reaction the way that, like, 2017 Carmella got. It wouldn't be that this woman isn't ready, doesn't deserve it. Like, I, I would be not, I would be fine with it. You know, if we ignore opportunity costs of the belt not being on, you know, Oscar or Charlotte or whoever, but right. I just want to put Mandy over for that.
0: That's a good option. Uh, I, I I can't really say that I watch her matches, but I did see um, Daria Benedatos. What's her yes. what's her wrestling name? Sonia so Deville. Uh, yeah, Sonia Deville. Like she's someone that twenty nineteen. I always picture her as just, like, you're pretending to be a wrestler. And then 2020, she cut, like, some amazing promos. And those were the oh, main yeah. things that I saw her. Like, those type of things that I was like, oh, my. Like, this is someone that I could, like, pay attention to uh, with those promos. Uh, for me, this year, I actually only had one. Uh, and that is Julia from Stardom. She was hired last year as a pretty face because Stardom was trying to like, you know push uh, someone to be like the poster girl and they picked like the prettiest face they can find in Japan. And she was like a competent wrestler, but throughout the year she's actually put in the work. Uh, I think she's been training, like ever since Bushy Road bought Stardom, uh, she's been training with a bunch of the, the new Japan dats. And so she's improved a lot uh now she just closed a year having a 30 minute match with suri and it was like a good match uh she has she leads a, a big stable and and i think just i think she's definitely the most improved for me uh just from year to year uh this year and i don't have a runner-up and, and it's because i was gonna say Joshi Hashi because this year joshihachi decided to fucking work (laughs) why did people i I didn't want to vote for him because i feel like joshihachi has always had the ability he just doesn't do it so it was hard to me to say that he grew. He just decided to work this year. I, I, um,
2: I can't get on the Yoshihashi hate. I just I people hate the guy and I don't get it. I think he's he he's had those matches, like every every year there's always, you know, one or two G1 matches where people are like, Oh yeah, Yoshihashi is great that's like he's always been great. They he to me is one of those guys who knew Japan due to just a glut of uh, You know, talent at the top who never quite got a chance, you know? Like, I think if you stuck him in all Japan, I think he'd
0: have a a much better career because I do think he's really, really good. Mm -hmm. No, like like I said, like, I think he's always had the talent. I just don't always see it in him. So it's hard to say that he improved. Like, he just decided to work this year. And, 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 I mean, we can contrast him with Yoshiro Takahashi he was put in a position to show and he decided not to work at all (laughs) yep uh uh, nwk did you say you mentioned
1: yours uh most improved i thought i had said uh i thought i had said um i thought i i thought i went already but uh my most improved was kenny omega oh
0: yes kenny omega yes i'm sorry um well since You thought that Kenny Omega was uh, a great babyface and heel. Let's go into the best babyface and heel of the year. So to give out both your babyface and heel uh, answers, uh, NWK, you can go first.
1: Actually, Kenny Omega didn't hit either of those lists. So babyface of the year is Edge because he has an amazing story. and. And it was presented as such to where everything was believable, like that RKO Randy Orton hit on him on Raw was one of the best things they've done on the main roster in, like, God knows how long. And when he cuts a promo, it's, like, it's got that, like, old-school kind of, like, I kind of want to say, like, Dusty roads kind of, like, I'm mad about something, and I'm justified, and I'm coming to beat you up at the pay-per-view, come watch. You know, so, like, real old-school... But then, speaking of old school, my heel of the year is uh, Eric Young. Because, for for much, that's the, kind of the inverse of Edge. He's just this, like, scary, you know, scary dude who just hurts people. And that was the result of one of Impact's best baby faces showing in Rich Swan. So, that, that's that.
0: I, I can agree with that. My. Like, I didn't vote for Eric Young for best heel, but as you said, he created Rich Swan, And Rich Swan is my babyface of the year. I think his whole Mm -hmm. storyline about coming back from injury like lends you and pushes you into a a babyface position and like an underdog babyface. And so I really, really enjoyed him as a babyface all the way into winning the title. And now he's going to have to deal with Kenny Omega. And my heel of the year. Was Jay White? I I think when it comes to adapting to the no crowd things or the no like the only clapping thing in Japan, I think Jay White is one of those guys that has been able to really use it in a heelish way, and and he mocks the people for not being being able to say stuff, and he mocks them for clapping. And he's been cutting like good promos. Um, he's obviously an amazing wrestler. He he pissed off a lot of people by defeating Ibushi <laughs> this year, and and having like a clean uh, trip to the Wrestle Kingdom. I, in my opinion, Jay White has been the best heel this year, and Rich Swan the babyface. Uh, Red, who do you have? Um, so I. Have another cop out tie for best
2: baby face. So I think they're doing the same thing, but the uh, John Moxley and Drew McIntyre. That's what I want out of my champion. You know, the the top guy not going to back down. You know, fights fights fair, not going to back down from a fight. You know, there are two guys who come across as real authentic people and speak from the heart. And I believe that the guy I see on TV is uh, at least ninety percent. You know, the same as the real guy. Um, my heel of the year uh, was uh, Bobby Guns from WXW, just edging out Pat McAfee. Bobby, uh, he's just a tremendous douchebag. Um, there were some moments from with people that just sort of stick out in your head and just little comments. And for me, Bobby Guns with his, his big mean stable behind him uh, had goaded uh, david Starr into you know putting his career on the line to get another shot at at the wxw unified world heavyweight title and david Starr agrees to it and bobby guns just goes you made the biggest mistake of your life and i fucking love it he's just he's <laughs> such a great douchebag and yet, he he, hasn't, you know, but yes, he's 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 just the most punchable face you've ever seen. And like, I like that he can back it up cleanly if he needs to, also. Yeah, I'm shocked no one mentioned
0: Roman Reigns for this. I, I don't watch SmackDown, so I cannot tell you. I hear
2: even, really you haven't face. even been, you haven't even tuned in for any of that.
1: Roman, I, Roman I, is fine.
2: I, Roman, oh,
1: Oh, I was just what gonna say Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is my. Reigns is my uh, I can't believe that worked. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah. And I'll explain why when we. I'll explain why when okay. we get. Uh,
0: the, the next category was a late addition. I am actually gonna have to improvise because I forgot to write it in. But it is the best talker of the year. So the best promo is the best on the microphone. Um, I'm going to let you guys go first, since so I can come up with my answer. So Red, who do you have? Um, I had Taz,
2: and then second place was MVP, and an honorable mention to Moxley. I mean, probably, honestly, you could you know switch any of those three in any order, and I think we kind of already went over how great each of those three have been. But those are my three. Oh, God, NJF. He not come up. Yeah. He he too has been very good. Although I guess he, he's not in that same tier, just because all the political speech bullshit was not good. But you yeah. know, there's yeah. This was a great. This singing. was a great year for talking. <laughs> oh God, the singing.
1: Uh, w- <laughs> so, uh, anyway. so uh, basically, all the same things that everybody else has said, but MVP. Edges him, edges out the win for me because he called Lana a thot on that one episode of Raw, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and that <laughs> rules so hard and like but um but yeah MVP MVP wins the award but like Taz Moxley MJF even for the singing like you know that that like all for everything Red said I agree with yeah so yeah
0: like and aw definitely had. Amazing talkers. I'm gonna go with Eddie Kingston. Uh, he's a guy who has always cut amazing promos, but he finally got it, was able to do it in the main stage. And his speaking is far better than his dressing, uh, personally. I think he was definitely my, my talker of the year, Eddie Kingston. Next up, we have the your mark out moment of the year uh this is just like a completely personal uh the thing that you marked out the most Mm, i'll go first on this one uh they're both actually from wrestle kingdom again the bias but the first one was seeing Minoru suzuki come out and challenge uh moxley after the juice versus moxley match that was a day that i was already like thinking I'm not gonna see Suzuki. I'm not gonna be able to scream Kasaninare, and then he comes out and he starts undressing, and I'm like, "Holy fuck, this is amazing!" Um, right? Yeah. Like when that happened, I was trying to buy a drink <laughs> from one of the the people that sell drinks in, in, the, in the place, and so just imagine like having to try, to talk to speak like broken Japanese. Marking out, grabbing the, the the drink, and I was like, just it was like all over the place. <laughs>
1: and you know what? And, and, and you know what? That's a that's a memory you're gonna have forever. So don't yeah, don't yeah. like worry about your biases. You know, I I freaked out I freaked out about um the AEW show last year because I went live. So don't don't worry about that. Um, not and, that, and that the real things, thing.
2: it, not that the real things too much zero. When you went to. Wrestle Kingdom. How did you find it getting around Japan as a, you know, someone who doesn't speak particularly good Japanese? Because I've been looking at going at some point during the summer for the wrestling and baseball tour. So, did you find it, you know, easy to, to like order things or to read this and so forth?
0: It was easy. There's a lot of like just pointing to pictures. Oh. Uh, if you can learn like the basic, uh, like for instance, to, to buy something is just like something, something okudasai and that like will take you everywhere because you okay. just have to point this and, like okudasai and so it's really easy uh the metro system is super easy to use the only thing is i, ha- I had to rely a lot on on google maps because i can read some japanese but over there is just like all over the place it's harder yeah but like between google maps and just a little basic japanese like you can go there and like happily experience everything but um, the second one was also from the same show and it was just watching Jushin Liger retire that was like, it was just like a one in a lifetime moment like seeing that guy retire of all guys uh, that was like those were my mark out moments of the year Uh, Red what about you um, mine, um,
2: I had uh, Breeze Angle winning the tag titles in NXT, actually. Um, I just, I really like those guys, and that's a Tyler Breeze, especially just abused on the main roster. And like, he was so great. And, like, I'm a Lance Storm mark, he's a Lance Storm trainee. Like, there's that, and just, I'd so love the way that Triple H managed to repackage them like they were still the same people but he he got them to a place where you could take them seriously and then giving them that big win was was really big for me um, the other one uh, my, honor, or my runner up here was uh, Drew McIntyre actually eliminating Brock Lesnar from the Royal Rumble just because it was sort of this moment of like okay, they, they're going with this. There's, there's no changing Vince's mind now. This is happening. They're actually going to go with Drew. And thank God they followed through on it. But just that, the excitement in that moment that like, you know, they, they had had Keith Lee come in and Keith Lee, you know, damn it, Brock got Keith Lee. Are we going to give Kofi the belt back? No, Brock got Kofi. we give him Big E the push? No, Brock got him. And then for Drew to just get Brock and like, okay, good. They're taking this in a good direction. Like, it was not something we get very often on the main roster.
0: Yeah, and, and they forget the push, so that's yeah. been pretty good. I, that's probably been one of the best booking things that the main roster has on this year, Drew Back, Guitar. Yeah. Uh, NWK? All
1: right, so my award goes to Edge's Return. I don't think I've ever flipped out like that at, because of wrestling like, since I was, like, a kid, like, you know? And, and then Honorable Mention, or no, 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 Runner Up is the Sting return at Winter's Coming. I thought that was cool. I thought, like, the rain effects and, like, the wow, wow rock music was awesome. And then my um, Honorable Mention is actually the contract signing between John Moxley and Kenny Omega at, um, I believe it was on, if my calendar is right, the... November 12th, 2020, uh, episode of Dynamite, because not only was, like, John Moxley beating up Kenny Omega and the contract signing happened, but the thing that made me mark out is that Kenny Omega did his entire entrance for a contract signing. <laughs> like, like, who brings, your, like, who brings go-go dancers to a contract signing? And that, that stupid shit is why I love professional wrestling, like, like,
2: honestly, yeah. Nwk, yeah. I, can I, I we? Just... I said, like, can we pencil you in for twenty twenty one that your mark out moment of the year will be Roman and Goldberg when it happens?
1: I mean, I mean, I'm a mark for Goldberg. So who cares? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the
0: the next one, I think. Uh, th- this is one of the 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 like the last two. Well, not, the next two uh, categories are some of the ones that I enjoy the most doing each year. Is, I can't believe that worked award. And this is a thing that you would you would like imagine that everyone would crap on it. And maybe they kind of did at first, but then it actually got over. Um, BRM, uh, Red, do you want to go first?
2: Uh, sure. Mine was turning Candace LeRae heel, just watching her for, geez, it's been, you know, a bit over 10 years now. And, you know, from, you know, early in PWG, and she just comes across like the nicest, sweetest person. And, you know, then NXT, she was, <coughs> Candace was the girl next door, like not, you know, the just the nice person, the one who, yes, yeah, she could get angry, but like, you could not imagine her, you know, kicking a puppy. Current Candice LeRae would throw a puppy off a bridge like an man. Like, I, you know, to have someone like that be believably mean, just not something worth trying. And WWE or NXT tried it, and hell, it worked. Um, my runner-up was the Newly Bros show segment. I hate dumb shit like that. You know, getting Byron Saxon involved to be this goof, but holy crap, it worked. And just like it, it was a great, just a, a microcosm of what the relationship between Thatcher and Riddle was going to be and how it was going to work. And I credit that really to getting t- uh, Timothy Thatcher over in NXT because he is not the prototypical. WWE or even NXT style wrestler. He is he is my my evolve you know purist. You know thirty something minutes with Johnny Gargano for the world title, working on a limb the whole time, and you know not a guy who cut promos. And they got him a character. And I think really that segment just is the thing that drilled it home for people.
0: Great, uh, NWK.
1: So I kind of mentioned this earlier with everybody but my I can't believe it worked was the Roman Reigns heel turn and I'll tell you why so so you know we're in a pandemic you know we lose fans obviously Vince McMahon is losing revenue so in that you know when you watch those episodes of Smackdown and all the pay-per-views leading up to that you can almost hear Vince McMahon going listen pal what we're gonna do is we're gonna put Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman, goddamn it! And it was like it just felt like okay, they're just trying to make it. They're just trying to make Roman Reigns look cool because it's a heel manager we all like, whatever. But the way that the whole tribal chief thing involved, like you know, I'm the head of the table. Like Roman Reigns is terrifying, and everyone, everyone in his inner circle is terrified of him. And so it's like it's it totally it totally worked. I thought it was just gonna be like oh, blah, 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 you know, you you fans, you know, boo. But, like, what it turned out to be was a completely unique and interesting character.
0: Yeah. I'm surprised it worked because he was kind of fresh out of the leukemia scare, like, when he came back, and then when he left again to have, I think he had children. Yeah, like, yeah, those he had two a kid.
1: That,
0: yeah, those were two things that I thought were, like, how do you come back and be a heel after that? But they, yeah, they right. it can yeah. work for sure. Yeah. And I, I would say I hadn't um, noticed until you one... mentioned
2: it. Oh, go ahead. Um, I, was saying, I hadn't noticed until NWK sort of pointed it out that everyone in Romans in the is terrified of him. And I'm trying, maybe I'm missing something. I'm trying to think of the last time we saw a dynamic like that with anybody. And I can't think of it. And like, Sort of getting to what you're saying, Sierra, that like they made him, you know, such an it's not just being a jerk that's unlike, well, he's, he's more than a jerk, he is a scary dude. And that I think is what makes it work that, like, yeah, he's got kids, but like, this is a really scary, threatening person. And God forbid those kids do something wrong because they're going to have to deal with this guy as their dad. And, you know, who can make
0: you shit yourself with a
2: glance?
0: Right. Yeah. You, you know what he reminds me of? I don't know if you guys play God of War 4. Nope. Have you? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like uh, well like like in that game you have Kratos who is like 100% toxic masculinity like being a complete dick to his son. Like he doesn't even call him by his name. He calls him boy. And and that's what I imagine Roman Reigns is right now in his house. He's
1: just like like, so completely. He makes a big deal of sitting Um, at the head of his table at the dinner table, and everyone's like, "Oh, come on." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. You you, you see, like someone like pick up the fork, and he just like stares at you (laughs) until
1: you. Yeah. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Uh, My award is gonna go for Moose. Proclaiming himself the TNA World Champion. <laughs> I mean, not only not only is he bringing back a title uh, that I thought just people were gonna be like, why the fuck are you bringing out TNA? But I love that the promotion never actually acknowledges him as a champion. Josh Matthews on commentary, as annoying as he is, he keeps saying like he's not the real champion. This is not a title match. He just like carries that thing around like he stole the prompt. and. But like that has been part of Moose's like year-long arc of actually growing up to become like worthy of an actual title contendership. Uh, I've mentioned it before in, in my reviews. Like everything feels like it's building to Moose finally going after Rich Swan. And if not for Kenny Omega, I think that would have been the next pay-per-view's main event. Uh, but I, I I think it has done a lot of for Moose to just. Actually, create an actual character because before he just used to be like the ex football player that now is wrestling and he has friends, yay! But now he actually has like more of a character. So I think Moose proclaiming himself the DNA world champion for a year now has been uh, pretty good. Uh, and I, I have a runner up, it's not really that big, but it's Johnny Swinger from Impact. He's a complete comedy act, he's a guy that thinks it's still the territory days. And he talks like that, and he has like a gimmick fanny pack. And I think he's the type of comedy that just got really, really over with the fans. He's, he's in a way, uh, a meme wrestler, like we see right now with Dan Housen and uh, the guy of the Warhouse, War Horse, Horse. <laughs> whatever his name is, and Alley Cat and all those characters. But I think uh, Johnny Swinger, uh, I mean, he looks like an old guy. So it just kind of like works, and he doesn't like—he's not all over the place, and not all over Twitter. So he makes them terrible, but he's my runner-up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next award is arguably the the counter to that one. It is the throw the remote to the TV award. Uh, this is the most face-palmingly or infuriating booking decision of the year something that you see it in your tv and you're like what the fuck are they doing like fuck this shit um i think i know what red is gonna go for so i'm gonna let you go first um so it's it's not actually my top one
2: believe it or not my my top one is just the, the absolute total botching of ftr in AEW and everything they did with the young bucks and like how do you not just put the young bucks with the baby faces and FTR is the heels and just have the fucking dream match um but the the one people are going to want me to rant about is the alexa bliss being involved with the fiend and just every fucking thing Thing about that, they they take in one of my favorite characters and just kill her dead. You'll notice Nikki Cross is nowhere to be seen on TV now. That pairing with her and Elektra is working great, and Nikki's you know might as well be dead now. She's she's nothing, and they just you know all this dumb fiend shit and like i have heard about last night's raw i have not yet watched it i will be watching it tomorrow and posting my review on the website cheap plug and again i haven't seen the show yet but i know that there will be much ranting just like i was just having heard about it i was considering also putting miz getting the money in the bank briefcase back on the world's dumbest technicality on this and like well, I was thinking about what I was doing for this award, it occurred to me just how bad not even the main roster, just Raw, has been. With shit, like, retri- Retribution didn't pop up into my head. Raw Underground didn't pop into my head. They've been that bad. Randy Orton burning The Fiend because fire. Like, just everything. This is the worst. And then what happened last night, which is so... <coughs> the, the whole... Well, I should, do, I should just give it an honorable just to the main roster in general and Raw in particular I would like to throw the remote at Vince's head instead of at the TV.
1: Yeah.
0: I saw a tweet yesterday where someone said like we just got done with the final Raw of the year and now it's official. This has probably been the worst year for Raw. I just oh yeah yeah oh yeah Uh, and i I, is there anything that even
2: comes close i mean i'm look not the 2018 2019 even 2017 were particularly good but like i missed a couple years in the the late 2000s but like i'm just like racking my brain and like Look, ninety nine and ninety eight were messes, but at least people like they're fondly remembered messes. And like, has anything even come close to being this bad as Raw
0: was this year? I mean, we we have to talk WCW or TNA. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's this two thousand WCW level in some
2: ways. I would,
1: I would throw in I would throw in the the guest host era of Raw because yep. that was that was an era of Raw that I was watching week to week. And everything seemingly was built around the guest host and the main event that night, which is, which was some like some variation of John Cena versus Randy Orton, and like the pay per view is like secondary. But like, yeah, that's just my personal opinion. and let's not, yeah, it's not that.
0: To, to me, the thing with WWE, especially Raw, is that every time they've done something really, really stupid and the ratings go down, they actually do react. Like whatever it is, hot shot. They would react. Two weeks ago they hit their lowest record and they just continued burning Wyatt. Family, right. You <laughs> know <laughs> there was like zero reaction. I don't know what happened there.
1: Maybe and, they're just so, maybe they're just out of ideas and they're just like screw it. Let's just let's just let's yeah. just
0: So I actually had as my runner up uh using Alexa Bliss as the fiend's prop. Uh not necessarily uh, because I think it's a bad a story. Because, I mean, it is. But I just think it's a bad use of your talent. I think Alexa Bliss is one of the most over wrestlers they have in the in the women's roster. And you're using her, uh, I mean, not only to portray a little girl, to get like perverts out there, like getting going. But like, like you're using her as a prop to the fiend of all guys. I, I just thought it's completely bad. But my yeah. my in my opinion, the worst like the throw the remote award is I guess like an ongoing thing and is that New Japan hasn't taken the title, the US title away from Moxley. Like for fuck's sake. I, it's I, been a year. <laughs> I mean I love I, it
1: because I was gonna say I just love the I just love the um the pearl mark like like rage over it, like that is an like that is like popcorn fuel for me. But <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. see it. I, I have no problem I, I
2: with New it New just cause, does New Japan really need another title? Like, I'm mm-hmm. I'm hoping that they just forget about it. That Ring of Honor just forgets about the six man tag team titles and the women's title. That this pandemic will infect and kill off some of these pointless championships and some of these promotions.
0: Like ROH and New I, I Japan would do worse at that. I would agree with you in that sense, but the problem is that New Japan, the only thing that it's doing is defending a briefcase. So it's not like we right. lost a title. We're well, just defending a briefcase. Right. And, I mean, and I'm like, they... we don't even know when Moxley's going to be able to defend it. Just remove the title, give it to Kenta, and just do whatever the fuck you want. Is there some is sort that, of I... reason why Moxley
2: can't like, defend it like, because New Japan's taping stuff in LA, right? Yeah. And so I, is there a reason I, why I they can't do that. that match? And, like, even if they don't... Like, I know he's he's AEW exclusive for TV, at least in the US, but, like, is they, they can't just do it It's a dark match, basically, and, like, just to get the belt off of him?
0: I've wondered that so much. Like, why can't I just, like, record the match and then show it, like, a month later or something? I don't know why it won't pass. And... Like, I can understand him not wanting to travel to Japan, but like, I don't know. I, I think we've seen other promotions strip titles for lesser things, including and New Japan. This has been like a. Yeah, exactly. And this has been a full year now. And uh, like, do we even know if Moxie's ever going to go back? <laughs> like, or when? I I think they're just like. it. It, it pisses me off that. They just haven't done it. I mean, they're probably just, like, sucking up to Moxley or something, but... It I, mean, the suppo- I mean,
2: supposedly uh, they want to work together, right? New Japan and AEW? Like, because I know New Japan would love to have Omega back, yeah. and AEW would love to get, you know, Tanahashi around, or whoever. But, like, yeah. I mean, do we know that there's, like, a reason why, you know, in, in a non-pandemic world, do you think they'd be working together as New Japan stuck with wing of honor and you know is is it the cmll triple a issue like is there do we know why you know what the big holdup is with
0: them working together other than the pandemic i don't think so i think i think harold mage was definitely the issue and i think at this uh, point the pandemic may be slowing things down but i mean I, but... I can see them working out things next year uh, hopefully, I don't know. Like, I'm not. Yeah, I'm gonna like, I, I like, think it would do AEW good. Japan, I do too. Not... Yeah, like so Go you, ahead. In in New Japan, I do not miss the box. I do not miss Kenny Omega uh, at all. And really, Omega. Honest, when it comes to AEW, yeah, I don't really miss him. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like when they left I was like okay I mean that's it but
2: the, he's the pinky. guy I miss most <laughs> I thought I thought he did such oh. a great job of uh taking everybody's like, most of the guys in New Japan did just have their own match. And, like, you know, when, when Goto's on offense, it's every Goto match ever. And when Naito's on offense, it's every Naito match ever, no matter who the opponent is. But I thought Omega is one of those guys who did a great job of, like, turning, you know, the Ashii match into a match that only Ashi and Omega could have. And, like, Osprey and Okada will do that, too. But I don't think either of them were as good at as Omega. So he's the guy I missed most in that promotion.
0: Yeah, I think I I, just, I may just be putting a lot of attention more on on Osprey because he is similar in that sense. But he can have your match or like a, a combination. Um, but I guess not not to be real, Nwk, who or what so, position made you throw?
1: <laughs> okay, I want like to kind of break this down. So, everybody, you know, so. You know how I said earlier with the tribal cheat, with the Roman, turning Roman Reigns heel and putting him with Paul Heyman, you can almost hear the conversation that uh Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard had in the back. Well, my um, my um uh throw the remote retribution, it almost is for the, it's like the inverse of that, where it's like, well, factions have worked in the past, pal, so let's get a faction like the Nexus. Except make them, like, current events. Yeah, that'll, that'll get the TV ratings. And you're just like, no. Like, at least, like, at least the, like, Alexa Bliss and the theme thing, like, that at least, like, somebody had to, like, create that. Like, somebody had to think about that. And, like, same with, like, Raw Underground. Like, somebody had to, like, design a set and, like, design a whole look for it. And, like, that, that at least, like, those things at least beget, like, Creativity, but it's just like the retribution was just like factions, yeah. And then they lost every week on TV, but but they
2: but they did they were creative. They created those nice masks and those tremendous code names for them to use.
1: Okay, and I was and I admit I admit I was the guy that wrote like a like a five paragraph essay on my T bar was (laughs) the (laughs) best. The, the, you've got
2: to give that dude credit for trying. Both trying to make his angle make sense and just trying to get over his a heel on Twitter. you got to be, credit.
1: Right, and trying to be thoroughly uncool on Twitter. Like, going out of his way to be thoroughly uncool on Twitter. But, like, once that kind of got stripped away, like, you kind of started to realize, like, oh, uh, you know, this isn't very good. So my runner-up, this is more of a, I'm sure this is more of a COVID kind of rationale, but breaking up the Lucha Brothers. For, like, the three weeks that they broke up the Lucha Brothers, like, I was so upset with AEW. And that's just because I got to see the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers in a ladder match live, and that was the most life-changing thing I've ever seen in wrestling live. So it's just, like, it's just, like, taking away like all the credit that the Lucha Brothers have you know, you know, had done it to that point. But thank God, you know, Pac came back and that lasted all two weeks, which is why it's the runner up.
0: I'd argue that the whole year of booking of the Glucha Brothers has been terrible. Yeah. They they were, they were yeah. an afterthought at this point. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but but you know what, Death Triangle's back, so you know, it should be let's let's go. Let's get it.
0: Okay, the next uh and final two categories are, are the other categories that we're going to like start to look into the future to 2021? The first one is the wrestler to follow in 2021. So, NWK, I'll go with you first.
1: So, the um, wrestler to follow kind of goes into my prediction for 2020, 2021, which is the next category. And my wrestler to follow is Pat McAfee. And i say that pat mcafee will be a world champion in 2021 because what pat patterson saw in the rock in 1996 i kind of see in pat mcafee just the guy that's so like so good from the top it's only going to take him like it's only going to take him like a year to be the best like to be the best wrestling personality in the world and they're going to give him a title based off that
0: awesome uh red
2: um so to to continue with uh nwk is pat Patterson, you know pat Patterson sees in rocky my via there's a guy in wxw named norman harris who is a member of deroucher Pals with bobby guns and friends and who i just think the world of he already carries himself like a star he can talk like nobody's business um the caveat being everything wxw does is tape so maybe you know he needs to work on that but within the take atmosphere is tremendous. He does need to be tested in the ring, but like he's a WXW Academy graduate, but you know, I'm not so sure, I'm sure he's fine, but the guy carries himself like a star and he is just able to just play so many roles almost simultaneously. Like basically he's a heel and in this heel group and is devising these ways to cheat, but he's also getting slightly bullied by the other heels and they're all slackers. And like, he's clearly a heel. And yet I feel so much sympathy for him also. And he's just, he's such a talent and he is someone who I think within five years is going to be a huge star. So Norman Harrison, WXW.
0: Awesome. Uh, mine. I don't think has anything to do with Pat Patterson. <laughs> he is in Pat, <laughs> uh from DDT. His name is Juki Weno. He is a guy that I've mentioned before. That just he kind of reminds me of a really, really young Kory He looks the part. He's he is for Japan like super cute and handsome. He has an amazing <laughs> body. He's a good wrestler. Uh, he had been a, a tag team wrestler for most of the year, uh, but. Now he's starting to go into singles. He already won his first, like he won the the middle uh, title of the promotion, and I think he has a lot of potential. I think DDT is gonna try and push him to be potentially the babyface face of the company, and and that is Juki Bueno, and and as WK already also mentioned, the final category is our wildest prediction for the second, well not the second, like the the, the year of 2021. Uh, WK, I don't know if you want to repeat yours. So, so I'm just going
1: to reiterate Pat McAfee wins the world championship in 21, 2021.
0: Good. Uh, Red?
2: Um, I wish I could think of something that outlandish. I just wild minds. This is supposed to be the the wild prediction award and I've got the lame Daniel Bryan's actually allowed to beat Roman Reigns for the title at WrestleMania. They seem to be sowing seeds, you know, for this with Bryan's comments about the, uh, uh, on SmackDown last week about how he's never won run a battle royal nuance from the Royal Rumble and, you know, you don't. You shouldn't have a baby face say something like that if he's not going to do it. And like Roman and Brian's the natural match, and goddammit, it, we the people want to see Bryan win. But it's WWE and Roman Reigns, and like I just don't think they're going to do it. So I, like, to me, it counts as wild speculation that they let Dragon win. But that's where I am. Daniel Bryan actually gets to beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania and win the world title from McLean. <laughs>
0: I was just going to say, like, when we're talking WWE, this sounds really outlandish. (laughs) Uh, To me, I'm actually going to go with. um, There was a promo from Don Callis where he's talking about we make, like, Kenny Omega makes history while the rest do, like, matches and memories. My wildest prediction, given what we've seen the last month, is that. Someone is going to create an inter-promotional championship that is going to be contested between AW, Impact, Triple A, DDT, and maybe Noah.
2: Yeah, that's, it just feels like Ch- Kenny is going
0: to be an inter-promotional champion.
2: It's also it's it's such a great thing to do, and it also sets them apart from ROH, CMLL, New Japan, RevPro. There, they are. They just yeah. have their own titles and like that's it, but like that that the so more think about it, that's brilliant. And mm-hmm. A Omega's just the guy to do it with, but like that'd be the closest thing we've had to a you know an NWA world champion almost in a while,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and that's where where I start to get the idea, like it kind of feels like Don Callis is looking beyond just AW or impact. And since AW right now has connections with so many promotions, including the NWA, the NWA, I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, if we just see a title again, like go across uh, different promotions. And and those were, we finally done it. Those were the awards for 2020, uh, the best off. And it, it was a year for sure. <laughs> uh, some good stuff, some bad stuff. Uh, I think this year is going to go in history as being really, really interesting. But that is it for for this podcast. It was a long one. I, I thank you guys for coming and joining me uh, to give your your votes. Um, is there anything that you guys want to plug, uh, Red? Um, no, just my, my reviews are on the forum. Um, I'm going to
2: start watching a bit more 2010 Chikara and the usual raw Smackdown, you know, usual stuff. And yet, to, this week's Raw review, if you like ranting, I'm sure it's going to be one for the ages.
1: So. I'm drooling. I'm drooling for it. Um, I i guess I could plug my yes. Twitter. Um, so my Twitter is Braddock, the number four, and then Rumble. Braddock for Rumble is my Twitter, if you're interested in hearing my musings about life.
0: <laughs> of course, uh, and and like Red said, uh, uh, both N.W.K. and Red, uh, they do a lot of reviews and writings for D Wrestling We have over five thousand reviews when we're counting big shows, Japan, Mexico, the U.S., ross Smackdowns. Everything is reviewed for the most part, um, so you can always go there and don't let me be the only one that debates red <laughs> uh but yeah that, that is it for today remember to go to spotify and itunes for the show you can uh, leave a uh, like a review whatever is available you can go to dw revolution on twitter where i'll be posting this and where i'll, I'll uh, usually do most of my retweets and complaints and you can go to dw revolution no i mean they where you like. Like I said, uh, you can read the reviews of, like, the written versions of everything that we talk about in this uh, podcast. And that is it. Red, NWK, thank you a lot for coming here. Uh, I think it's... Thank you for having uh, me. Thank you for having us. Of course, man. I'm 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 Eastern. It's 1 o'clock. Yeah, like I was going to say, to me, it's still kind of early-ish. But I'm going to let you guys go uh, because it is, like, early Tuesday. (laughs) Uh, So, again, thank you guys for coming, and adios. Well, that's about it. Son of a gun, we've enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. I guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it, but we'll be right back again. For Corey Macklin, Dave Brown, Lance Russell saying bye-bye, everybody. The announcers on this program are selected and paid by parties other than this station, namely the promoters of USWA Championship Wrestling.